I can't guarantee that the homily is going to be as short as my haircut, but it doesn't hurt to try. Allow me just to plant a seed, as it were, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wearing green, with all the references to growing things in the readings, cedars, tender shoots, high trees, low trees, green trees, withering trees, blooming trees, blades, ears, grain that's ripe, harvest that's coming, and then the mustard seed. Let me suggest to you that we consider plants and their need for water similar to our need for grace. Plants need lots of things, lots of different things. One thing they need all the time is water. They can even do without sunshine for some time, for a week, you know, up to who knows how long, depending on how much that particular plant needs sunlight. But water, plants always need. They're like us. You know, if, if you, comp- how much of the, of a plant is water? You know, how much of us is water weight? Something like 250% or something like that. I don't know. It's, it's a lot. I'm not sure how much, but a lot of us is water. A lot of a plant is water. And we should consider ourselves needing water, plants needing water, as a need for something which is proper to it, not an, uh, a dependence on something that's foreign to it. Our need for God's grace isn't a dependence on something that's strange to us. It, it, it's how we ought to be. It's, it's natural to us. Adam and Eve were created with grace. We were created in a, in a, in a slightly deficient form, but still very much in need of and benefiting from God's grace. Grace comes in different forms. And so you can see water raining down and think that, you know, the plants and the trees have all that they need. I do remember a little bit from AP Biology. and They don't absorb much water through their, through their leaves and through their, certainly not through their branches and trunks. Now, they absorb water through the ground, right? Through their roots. And so we, similarly, we can be surrounded by holy things, but we shouldn't so easily think that we're holy. We, we interiorize grace through, through deeper, more hidden means. So it's probably worthwhile to distinguish between two kinds of grace, between actual grace and sanctifying grace. One I always spell with a lowercase g, actual grace. We call it actual because it pertains to a particular action. It's God's help or God's blessing in that particular moment, for that particular event or action. Sanctifying grace, I always spell with a capital G, right? That's towards me. Towards you would be capital G, with uh, the synonyms being sacramental grace and habitual grace. Sanctifying grace is what makes us holy. Actual graces don't necessarily make us holy, but they help us in a given moment. Sanctifying grace makes us sanctified. We also call it habitual because it it remains with us. It's not just for a moment. When we receive sanctifying grace, 
it, it remains in us. And so on the way to church, or as you're getting ready for church at home, you may be thinking about your little checklist to see if you're morally certain that you can receive Holy Communion. You check to see if you are in the state of grace, if sanctifying grace is in your soul, given you first in baptism, renewed in, in the sacrament of penance, if we haven't committed a serious sin, a grave sin deliberately since our baptism or since our last good confession, then we know we're in the state of grace, or at least morally certain that we're in the state of grace. The opening prayer today began this attention on grace, emphasizing how necessary it is for us. I prayed, O God, strength of those who hope in you, graciously hear our pleas, and since without you, mortal frailty can do nothing, grant us always the help of your grace. Without God's assistance, we can do nothing. Without God's sanctifying grace, we can do nothing salvific. We want to remind ourselves it's not my willpower. It's not my determination that accomplishes everything. I can do some things of temporary value, but not of eternal significance without God's grace. Think of that plant that has no water. It's already dead. You could take a plant out of the ground, uproot it, right? Or take a branch and break it off and you have a uh, you have something, you have a sapling to transplant. It has water in it. It's still alive. It can actually be removed from the ground and then placed somewhere else and it can grow. But without water, it is already dead. If we try to imagine a human being without grace, sanctifying grace, we, we see someone who's lovely, but whose soul is basically dead. Probably miserable, probably unhappy. And certainly in no condition to want to spend eternity like that. And then think instead about the soul that is in a state of grace and knows that it's in a state of grace. To know that you are alive, not just physically, but spiritually. And to know that all the good things that you can do now, work, love people, communicate truth, say beautiful things, will not just die when your body is exhausted, when you give up the ghost, but that because you know that you are in the state of grace, you will do those things forever, for all eternity. Someone who knows themselves to be in the state of grace is the most glorious creature on the face of the planet. We should, no matter what is going on, we should be joyful, aware of the fact that a miracle is taking place in us. God is alive in us. Now a distinction that ought to be made. Sanctifying grace, sacramental, habitual grace. We too easily identify with the presence of God. It's worth making a little distinction so that you have a better understanding. God obviously does not dwell in the presence of evil. Anything evil can't dwell in heaven. And so it's not so simple that God simply comes into us to make us holy. Rather, God sends us sanctifying grace, which is a real created thing, supernatural gift created by God. He sends us sanctifying grace 
so that we're holy and then he can dwell in us. There are two distinct things, but sometimes so um, one so quickly follows after the other. Because the purpose of grace, sanctifying grace, is to prepare us to be recipients of the indwelling of God. Now, as necessary as grace is, we might wonder, why do we even have to ask for it? It's not as though God is wondering or deciding whether or not to send us grace. We know that he gives us sufficient grace for our salvation. But it's also wise to be aware of the fact that we can obstruct grace We can ignore it, be indifferent to it. And so we need to pray for grace, not just because um, we need grace. We don't need to pray for grace because we don't know if God wants to give it to us, but we need to be receptive to grace. We need to ask for grace to be able to benefit from it. So that prayer continued, and grant us always the help of your grace that in following your commands we may please you by our resolve and our deeds. Without God's grace, our actions and our willpower probably ends up doing bad things or things of no significance. But with God's grace and our cooperation with God's grace, our good intention, our resolve, and our action, miracles happen. We turn to the Blessed Mother And we recognize her whom the archangel Gabriel called full of grace. And we see that God's dwelling in us fully to make us holy is what makes us fully human. It's not strange to us. Your vehicle without gasoline in it, that's not a pure vehicle. It's dead in in its tracks. A plant without water isn't a plant pure and simple. It's, it's, it's a shadow of its real self. And a human being full of grace reflects the glory of God. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.